me, I'm Michelle. And I'm Dana Marie, and we are Empowered to Advocate. Our goal is to help parents and caregivers uh, navigate the often confusing special education process so that they can become the best advocates for their children. Tune in every Friday for your tip, tool, or strategy that can be implemented right away so you feel confident and empowered to be the best advocate for your child. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Empowered to Advocate podcast. We are going to head into part two of our five-part series about student voice today. Very excited to talk about the age group that we're legally supposed to be really focusing on for student voice. Um, And there is a lot of detail to dig in here, but we're going to try to do this in 20 minutes or less for you today. Uh, So I'm going to actually turn this over to Dana Marie today to kind of kick us off. This is a particular area of expertise for her. So we are very lucky um, to have her to discuss this today. All right. So Dana Marie, what, why, what changes when students turn 14? So that's a great place to start. Um, So when Students turn 14, um, like Michelle said, they are, you know, legally um, invited to their IEP meetings, invited to participate in their IEP meetings. And this kind of looks like a lot of uh, different ways. So one of the ways is actually attending their meeting if it makes sense um, for them. And that's a conversation between the student, their school team, the parents, the guardians, um, and the family. But we do really like for students when they turn age 14 and up to attend their IEP meetings. Like we said in our first episode, um, you don't want a lot of people sitting around a room talking about you and having no input, um, especially when we're talking about your future. So once a student does turn 14, school teams are obligated, should be inviting them to their meetings. Um, what would be really awkward is if those students came to the meeting and just sat there for 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, two hours. Um, so what we really want to focus on today is actually participating, not just being invited, which is, of course, you know, one step. It's part of the process. But we find that sometimes school teams and teams in general do that to kind of check a box, um, but mm. don't really think a little bit more in depth about what it actually means to be a valuable member of that team um, and a participant um, in those meetings. What are some <laughs> of the best ways to prepare kids, for to prepare <laughs> students, to prepare young adults for these meetings? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of different ways uh, that you can prepare. So I know a lot of teachers, a lot of school teams who do a really super simple, almost like a getting to know you activity like you would do at the beginning of the school year, but a really simple questionnaire that they sit and and interview or fill out with the student a couple of days or, or a week or so before the meeting and just asks them some questions about their future. What do you want to do in the future? Do you want to attend college? Do you not want to attend college? Are you looking into a trade? Do you want to go straight to work? Are you interested in um, the service? So really some of those basic questions about the future. I know it can be really um, 
difficult or interesting for parents when they have an eighth grader or ninth grader to start already thinking about what happens after high school, but we're here to tell you that time does fly and it will go by so fast. So asking those questions as early as seventh and eighth grade, even earlier, um, but definitely as soon as the, the student is in high school. So like I said, you know, what do you want to do after high school? But it goes even more broad than that, thinking about community, thinking about living in the future. So do you want to live on your own? Do you want to continue to live with your, your parents or your guardian or your family? Do you want to continue to live locally or are you looking to move once you graduate high mm. school? Do you want to attend a college in another state? Um, even if you're not attending college, do you want to move to another state for, for any number of reasons? Do you want to live with friends? Do you want to get a roommate? And then, of course, the question comes up, how are you going to pay for all of that, right? So <laughs> if you want to get a job right away, maybe you already have a job. If you're 15 or 16, that might be possible. But starting to think about, hmm, maybe we should think about a part-time job where you can start putting some money away to save for whatever whatever it looks like. Um, so there are a lot of questions you can kind of ask ahead of time. We have found that there are many ways for students to then kind of give this information in their IEP meeting. So some students like to go into their IEP meeting and write the beginning. Uh, Michelle and I always talk a lot about the beginning of a meeting being a time and space for parents and caregivers to be able to kind of voice their opinion, concerns, what they hope for their child, so on and so forth. This is a great time. This is the best time to also include the student regardless of age, but definitely in that 14 plus uh, category to speak if they are able to, if they're willing to, about what they hope for their their future, what they want to do after high school, what they want to accomplish while they're in high school in terms of types of courses they want to take, extracurriculars they want to take part in. Like I said, a part-time job, community service. There are so, so many things that they can talk about and that they could focus on to really set the tone of the meeting and make sure that we're keeping the student that we're talking about in the focus. We're making sure that we're not talking around them, but that we're actually mm -hmm. um, putting them at the center of the conversation, what they hope for their high school years, but also what they hope for the years after, which is really important. And I think that this framing of this, first of all, being student-centered and framing it around what they're hoping for, what they see themselves doing in the future, how they see themselves doing that actually better enables a team, which includes that student to be strength focused as opposed to deficit focused. And you're able to see, all right, the student wants to do hairdressing or wants to go to college. So now we're able to line up where is the student then the courses they're going to take, the experiences they want to have in the community, right? And that's going to tap into strengths that the student has and how we can then make areas that maybe they're not so strong in stronger that then allows us to build the IEP to support that vision. You're so right. It helps shift the focus a little bit. So if you're in a meeting that maybe is going in that direction about really focusing on what the student struggles in, um, so being able to bring it back, it really does help to shift to talk about those strengths and the things that that student's going to need to succeed. Now, this is all 
sure, sounds great, well and good. You know, a team might be thinking, we'll do it if we can, if we have time beforehand, so on and so forth. But the truth is that on the other side of this just being a nice thing to do, a good thing to do, there are also some parts of the IEP that actually require at age 14 that the student participate in helping to develop it, right? So this is, Mm -hmm. it's a nice to do, but it's also a you have to do it um, once the student turns 14. So Michelle kind of alluded to some of those things at the beginning, but on every IEP, there is a vision statement for the student. It's usually actually within the first or maybe first two pages of the IEP. What is that student's vision for the future? We recommend that as early as, and we'll talk about this in a later episode, but as early as your pre-K, kindergarten, first grade students, making sure that vision statement includes some of their interests, right? Mm-hmm. It might They might not know exactly what they want to do at that age for high school, after high school, et cetera. However, it should include some of their interests. Once a student turns 14, that should be written in I statements. So I want to do this with my high school years. I want to do this after high school. I plan to live on my own. I plan to get a job in the service industry. Whatever that student's goals are or their main goal, that's how their vision should be written into their IEP. It sets that tone, like Michelle said, for sort of a clear how we're going to focus this meeting, how we're going to talk about the strengths that the student has, but also how we're going to focus on the skills that they need in order to reach that vision. Later on in the IEP, we also have what's called a transition planning form. And we've talked a little bit about transition planning on our Mm. blog and on Instagram, but this is really where you set the plan with that student. Okay. So you want to attend a four-year college or university. You want to go into the military. You want to, like Michelle said, become a hairdresser. Now, what are the things that you need to do as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, so on and so forth to achieve that goal? (laughs) And so to do that, we sit with the student and we actually go through that plan. That's what a school team can be doing. A parent or caregiver can be asking these exact same questions at home in preparation for the meeting. But how are we going to get you there? What are the courses that you need to take in order to achieve that goal? Have you taken those courses? Are there others that you haven't taken yet? Um, What part-time job might serve you when preparing for this job? You want to be a a chef. You want to be a cook. Well, maybe starting as a bus person in a restaurant is actually a good part-time job then for you over the next couple of years. And then we think a little bit more globally about it, not just in terms of classwork and, and job, but that community piece that I talked about too. What are some things that you can do in your community right now that will help you prepare for the future, whether that's service oriented or whether that's joining a club or a sport or a religious organization outside of school, something that's going to serve you in your community to help you kind of develop, not just as a student, an academic based student, but as a whole person, as a whole Mm -hmm. um, individual as you leave high school. And so that transition planning form focuses on not just academics, but it focuses on employment, community, independent living, everything that goes into that. Right. And this is actually something that should be done before the development of the IEP, right? Like this should be 
the driving force of the IEP that's to come next. Again, making the, the student the focus, the center of this plan. Yes, the family's dreams and wishes for the student are also important, but ultimately we are getting this young person ready for the world and for adulthood and um, allowing them to have such a strong voice in their education is really imperative to them feeling empowered, feeling in control, feeling sometimes even more motivated mm-hmm. to do whatever they need to do in school to be post high school um, successful in whatever they're doing. For sure. And not every student, uh, 14 to 22 year olds, uh, is going to be able to or feel comfortable going into a meeting that might have five or seven or nine or 11 adults and might not necessarily feel comfortable sharing out loud what their vision is, some of the things that they included in their transition planning form. So there are other ways to do it. You can write something up maybe with your school liaison or one of your teachers if you're a student and have somebody read that for you at the beginning of the meeting. So you can be at the meeting, but not necessarily have to say it out loud or read it out loud if you don't feel super comfortable. You can decide that you want your parent or caregiver to to share that information as sort of part of their statement at the beginning of the meeting. Um, We have students who decide to put it in the form of like a PowerPoint presentation Mm. or some other visual at the beginning that tells us a little bit about them and their vision for the future and how that can sort of drive the meeting. It's a great way to start a meeting. Um, Now, of course, we're talking about students right now, ages 14 to 22, who are able to do that, who don't have communication challenges, behavioral challenges, so on and so forth, that might inhibit them from being able to sit through an IEP meeting. In a later episode, we will talk specifically about students who might have some challenges that would make it difficult to sit through an entire IEP meeting or might make it difficult to use their verbal uh, language in order to participate in their meeting. We'll talk about that, like I said, in a later episode, but there are many ways that mm-hmm. a student can be included and it doesn't necessarily have to be just sitting and starting the meeting and talking for 10 minutes about themselves. Not everyone feels comfortable doing that. It's good to practice, but not everyone's quite there at age 14. And I think that's also a good point when, um, and like you said, when we, in a future episode, we're going to be talking about communication differences and different ways of expressing um, their vision and their interests. But that really helps to put the can do, right? As opposed to, well, this student can't verbally express themselves right now. So I guess we can't include them, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So, I mean, I don't know of any teams who do that, but just to put that out there that, you know, always trying to think of what can this student do and then where is the next place they're going. And for these 14 to 22 year olds, the next place they're going is adulthood and, you know, the quote unquote real world, right? The, the people talk about. So what can they do now? Where do they want to be? And then how is that school team going to help scaffold to get them to that vision for their lives? 
Absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned adulthood because there's one more thing before we end today that I think is really important. We think of high school students a lot as ages 14 to 18 or so, but the reality is that many students are in high school until they are 19, 20, 21, or 22 years old. And at the age of 18, the legal rights to that document, to the IEP in terms of who signs it, go to the student, Mm -hmm. default to the student. Of course, there are exceptions to that, but It's important to know that when you're preparing a younger student, a 14 or 15 year old for their IEP, the reality is that once they turn 18, they will get to decide if they want to have individual signing rights to that IEP, if they want to share decision making with a parent, a caregiver or guardian, if they want to delegate their decision making for their IEP to a parent or a guardian, they can absolutely do that, but they will be making that decision at age 18. And so that's a lot of onus over your your programming and your education at that age, even if you've not quite graduated yet from high school. So the more that we can prepare all along in high school to get to that moment, um, the better for sure. Absolutely. So I think some of the top takeaways here are that for all ages, but especially for 14 to 22, we want to put the students more into the driver's seat of their educational process. And that includes getting their participation either either or or and um, before the meeting, during the meeting, after the meeting, right? And really thinking about what their goals are, what they can do. And then how that IEP, how that individualized education plan is really going to be individualized for them to help them reach their goals and to see and have their disability be an area that is impacting them with certain challenges, but not a something that can't be overcome or worked with Mm -hmm. so that they can meet their goals, right? Absolutely. What I would love to see is once a school team, obviously in collaboration with the parent, the guardian, and whoever else is on that student's team, once they draft an IEP, I would love for the school team to share that with the student. Of course, when it's appropriate to Mm -hmm. say, hey, did we get anything wrong here? Was this what we talked about at the meeting? Is there anything that you think we're missing? Do these goals feel like goals that you can reach in the next year? So on and so forth. I think that the more that we make this process transparent for young people and make sure they feel like they are at the nucleus of the decision making are the center of this process. I think the better off, like Michelle said earlier, the better off the whole team will be in helping to support this child. Absolutely. So if anybody currently has a child or if you are an educator and you're tuning in today and you have students who are 14 to 22 and you have questions or you have ways that your team um, has included students in the IEP process, we would love, love, love to hear from you and these stories um, of how you have made these meetings accessible to your 14 to 22 year olds. You can email us at empoweredtoadvocate at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment. on YouTube or on Instagram or wherever you are listening or watching this, we would really love to connect with you. And so everybody can also connect with one another and learn from one another. So 
hope this was useful. Um, thank you so much for Dana and Marie for sharing your expertise. I know this is, you know, I've always learned a lot from you <laughs> in this area. So, all right. In the next episode in part three, we're going to be looking at middle school, kind of that middle, middle age, middle age, not really middle age. I'm middle age <laughs> looking at middle schoolers, you know, 10 to 13 year olds and what this part of the process would look like for them or could look like for them. So stay tuned. Thanks for being here. Thanks everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. We hope that what you just heard is easy for you to understand and you are able to go ahead and implement it and take action right away. We always love to hear from you and how things worked out for you or what questions you have. Please email us at empoweredtoadvocate at gmail.com or visit us at empoweredtoadvocate.com and schedule your 20-minute consult with us today so we can find out how we can best support you to best support your child. See you next week. Listening to our podcast or participating in one of our live webinars or sessions, you acknowledge that Empowered to Advocate provide thoughtful, comprehensive, and data-driven coaching and advice. By participating, you understand that this service is not legal advice, nor does it constitute legal services. It is understood that E2A is serving in the role of coach and consultant to you on your child's behalf. In participating or listening, the parent or caregiver understands that there are no guarantees of success in obtaining the outcome desired by the parent or caregiver. The parent or caregiver agrees to hold Empowered to Advocate and any coaches working with them harmless with regard to the outcome of meetings, services, hearings, etc.